mind, I was going to ask someone to speak tonight. And on that note, I really believe there are some clear messages God wants to send through you guys. Some clear messages in the coming weeks and months that he wants to speak, okay? And so, you know, it's not a like, who do I want kind of thing, like at recess. I think God is going to point out, and part of my calling is is being like, oh, that's what you're wanting, God, or that's who you want. So if I ask you, um, you must do it. No. If I ask you, just be ready to respond, okay? Because I believe to each of you has been given a manifestation of the Spirit, and some of you, that manifestation will be speaking up here. It might only be five minutes. It may be 45. But I never could really, I, I didn't feel the release to ask someone to speak, and I didn't plan to speak either. I didn't feel inspired. And it wasn't until this afternoon on my, um, on my way to the seminary weight room, Robin's place that she oversees, and Davey inhabits it and intimidates people with his back and biceps. Um, all of a sudden, an inspiration came to my heart. A message. And I felt like the Lord was just like Leif, cry out, Travis, cry out. So let me read two sets of scripture, and then I'm going to just speak extemporaneously. That means just sort of off the fly. Isaiah 42, verse 13, and a few more. Yahweh will march out like a mighty man, like a warrior. He will stir up his zeal with a shout he will raise the battle cry. The battle cry, Leif, Jacob, the battle cry. With a shout, he will raise the battle cry and will triumph over his enemies. For a long time, I have kept silent. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now... But now, but now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp and pant. I will lay waste the mountains and hills. I, I will dry up all their vegetation. I will turn rivers into islands and dry up the pools. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not 
forsake them. I'll say a little bit more about it in a moment, but God knows how to restrain himself. Only God can restrain God. No demon, no man, none of his friendly and good and submissive angels. Oh, Lord, please don't. No one can restrain God except himself. And he, biblically, has shown himself to hold back, sometimes for hundreds of years. Not that he's not doing anything during that time. He's, his hand is always working. My father is always working, Jesus said. But there's these times where he says, boo, where he cries out. You can't get any more intense. I know this by experience. Right, Karis? I know this by experience. You can't get any more intense than a woman crying out in child labor. Except for Rachel. She's probably like all relaxed and like her home birth. No? So even Rachel, who is meek and mild, and whenever she has like this mighty message, she's like, well, the Lord just showed me. So even she cries out in labor, okay? That's why, you know, it builds to the bigger thing. It says, he will shout like a mighty man of war. I mean, like a Viking. But even more like a woman in labor. Imagine, I love that imagery. Imagine the king of everything. The lord of the cosmos. The one who rules the universe. Imagine him saying... Get ready. But now, he's about to not restrain himself any longer. Now, one New Testament passage. It's in Titus. Titus. Three, three. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of pleasures and passions. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So I wanted to hit on the but now factor. I really feel like, me, I'm hesitant to go here now because it just is painful for my own heart with the weight and the, the, the weight, the waiting 
and the prophesying and believing and just the delay, the delay, and then like, well, maybe I missed it. But here I am again. I, 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 I cannot help but prophesy. A fire in my bones. Today, something, I saw something and I knew I had to proclaim it. Get ready. Get ready. This is your alert. This is your alarm. But it's not like the tornado alarm. This is good news. Get ready for the goodness. Get ready for the kindness. Get ready for the saving. When I read this to you again about our present state, or see yourselves in this present state, May you be humbled to recognize your participation in these descriptions. At one time, we, we dwelling, were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Guys, you may struggle more with one of those descriptions than the other, but that's us. And we've come face first with that. <clears throat> we've even felt hatred for the brethren. In our foolishness, in our disobedience, in our deceived state, God, our Savior, is going to appear to us with kindness, or some translations say goodness. Are you ready for kindness, for goodness? To smack you in the face, to totally drench you so that you are soaking wet in goodness? Or that you are surrounded by the wind of God's spirit and it's the holy tornado. We have the fallen cursed tornado on earth. It brings destruction. His tornado is power and light. It's a pure white to tornado that brings all the personhood of God and leaves you in peace, leaves you in shalom. It builds up. It leaves you in a better place than ever before. Get ready for the kindness and goodness of God our Savior who's going to save because of his mercy not by anything you're doing not even your prayers although God uses our prayers he is going to pull us out of our foolish disobedient deceived enslaved state he's going to pull us out he said I looked for a human being and I found none on the earth of all time so my own right arm worked salvation for me. I did what no person could do. I did it. It's not a one and done. Oh, yes, there will never, ever be another blood sacrifice. That was the one and only done forever. That's what every sacrifice before pointed to. And that is the only necessary sacrifice forever. So Jesus Christ got that one. But 
He always lives to make intercession for us. He always lives. He continues to intercede in our earth, to step in and pull out. And Peter said, there is a great salvation. There is a salvation ready to be revealed in the last days. So we are looking forward to this time that the prophets of the Old Testament prophesied about and the apostles, Paul, John, and Peter were saying, this thing's coming. The great salvation, the kindness and goodness of God our Savior is going to appear, be revealed like never before. Get ready to be saved from yourself and all the sloppy junk that comes with it. Get ready for the kindness and goodness of God your Savior. And I love what some of the translations say in, in the Amplified Version and some of the other parts. It says, but when the kindness and goodness of God our Savior and the love of God our Savior showed up, the love for humanity showed up. And that's so good. When the kindness and goodness and the love of God for humanity, the love of humanity, I mean, we don't look like that lovely in our conduct, in our inward lifestyle. But he's coming with his love for humanity, goodwill towards humans. And he's coming to save us. Another version says, when the goodness and kindness of God our Savior showed up through the man, Jesus Christ. Showed up in human form through the man, Jesus Christ. We're not just going to see this fuzzy, like, floating cloud. I'll take the cloud of God, but it's going to be real with flesh on, your flesh, your redeemed flesh, the face of Christ, glorious style, the person of Jesus, Bob Moore style. The Christ in you coming forth. The saved you. The real you who existed in God's heart before you entered this cursed or earth and had to struggle with yourself and your sin and your forefathers' iniquity. He paid for all of that to be done. It is finished. Your iniquity, your generational sin is finished. But you can't pray that or theophostic prayer it into existence. You can't sozo prayer it into existence. You can't fast it into existence. Only his right arm can work that salvation in to your life, and he's going to. There remains a great salvation. There remains a salvation ready to be revealed at the appearing of the goodness and kindness of God our Savior. So he's going to appear. And the point of it is that stuff I just talked about to save us from the junk and to show us his love for humans in the human form of Jesus Christ that Jesus would be known. And you know Jesus, then you know the one true God. You know the Holy Spirit. You know the Father. But I want to also encourage you. You guys have been through battles. You've been oppressed. 
Some of you have been under physical oppression in your bodies for a long time. Many of you. In the right, I would venture to say all of you. And I think that's accurate. Just There has been oppression on your bodies from the enemy. And not every ache and pain, I don't think, is because the devil punched you. But I believe every one of us has been in uh, some degree of physical oppression. You've also been assaulted in your relationships by the enemy who he energizes backbiting. He energizes offense. He energizes accusation, hatred, envy. He, he sees that in a human's heart. He sees, he doesn't see everything in the heart like God does, but he can see that stuff like, like sprouting those evil fruits and he'll go and get an evil anointing on that. He'll energize that. You've been oppressed in that way. And you've been oppressed in your mind. In your own mind. The battles. The battlefield of the mind. You have been oppressed. Condemnation. Confusion. All the other inward thoughts and emotions we struggle with. You've been under oppression. Depression. Hopelessness, despair, suicidal thoughts, discouragement, faint-heartedness, unbelief. The enemy batters us, and you are a battered people. You have been on the battlefield. The battlefield is where you get battered. But you're still here. You've persevered. You have stood firm. Even when you didn't have the legs to stand, he picked you up. We are all Mephibosheth to a degree. Lame, unable to walk. But Mephibosheth gets carried to the king's table. He gets carried to the table of Jesus Christ. But that first scripture passage I read in Isaiah 42 when he is screaming like a warrior, when he is screaming like a mighty, mighty woman, a mighty Deborah warrior woman who's in childbirth, labor, he explains what he's doing. He's coming to destroy his enemies. And it's like right before he like leaves us in the state of goodness and kindness, he's like, first, I am going to absolutely pummel, destroy the works of darkness that are afflicting you. Once those things are out of the way, then I'm just going to kiss you. I'm going to hug you. I am going to wrap my goodness and kindness around you and you're going to be left in a saved state of shalom. Shalom. Complete well-being. The atmosphere 
God paid for. He made peace with his blood on the cross. He made a way for you to come in to the peace, the shalom of God. So I want to tell you that the warrior and the screaming, laboring woman is coming to you in the face of Jesus Christ. The Lord is a man of war. He is a mighty man of war. And he is, we're pregnant with great purpose. The Lord is pregnant. There's another verse where Moses says, he talks about God giving birth to the earth. I mean, that's powerful imagery too. When God gives birth, the stars start getting really scared. The galaxies feel the reverberation. Not just the Milky Way, it's close to it. The galaxies feel when Yahweh screams in birth. So he's coming to destroy your enemies. Be encouraged. There is, it is totally fine to relish the idea of your enemies being absolutely destroyed. The Son of God appeared or was revealed or was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. It's in 1 John. This is an Old Testament to New Testament. The last book of the Bible, it's all about Jesus treading the wine press and destroying the works of darkness, slaying them with the breath of his mouth. He's coming. He is giving birth to absolute demonic destruction. So you be encouraged as you're fighting through the different battles and you're feeling the force of the oppression. It will not always be that way. Through many afflictions, we inherit the kingdom of God. But to everything, there is a season. Weeping comes for a night. Oppression and battery comes. But there is joy that comes in the morning. There was a day when David was delivered from all of his enemies when God gave him rest on every side. We haven't been there yet. We've had little bits and pieces. You are going to get rest on every side. Not just the absence of conflict. You're going to be in the rest, the peace of God, entering into his rest and having destroyed enemies. And in fact, you're not even going to see their bodies. He'll let you hear their screams and see their dismembered bodies. That's powerful imagery, but that's not as powerful as God says in the Bible. He talks about the birds going to eat their flesh. But in Psalm 37, he's like, your enemies, you're going to look for them. You're not even going to see them. It's going to be that clear for you. So get ready to be totally set free from your oppressors and to have peace on every side. It's coming. Don't give up. Don't give up now. I know about the temptation to give up. I know about the battering. Don't you give up. We each have our own intense battle. But don't you give up. But remember, when the apostles stepped on uh, snakes and scorpions, when they saw the destruction of the demons, they were telling Jesus all about it. Jesus, you should have been there. 
And Jesus in his spirit, man, was like, oh, yeah, I was watching over the whole thing. <laughs> you should have been there when we were taking out the devil. I mean, we cast out demons. People got healed. It was so cool, wasn't it? Wasn't it, Peter? Actually, Peter was probably the one leading talking about it because that was kind of Peter's style. Wasn't it, guys? Well, yeah, we were going to tell him, Peter, but you always have to go first. They had power over the enemy. They saw the enemy destroyed. And Jesus didn't say that that was a bad thing. He's like, yeah, guys, I gave you that power. But here's where your joy needs to be. That your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That your name is written in heaven. That God so loves you that he wrote his name on your heart. I can just imagine the Father saying, um, Holy Spirit, whom I love. And the Spirit being like, yes, Dad. I, I was thinking that you and Jesus would collaborate. And Jesus is over there ministering to some people. And he's like, what would you say, Dad? I'll be there in a second. He lays his hands on a few people. And the Father says, I was thinking about you guys collaborating and you guys writing this tattoo on my heart of every person throughout all history who belongs to me. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit look at each other. That's an amazing idea. Dad, that is an awesome idea. You've never had a bad idea, Dad. And so Jesus goes, all right. It was like, you know how there's, we get the laser engraving. You can even do laser architecture, 3D stuff. So Jesus goes, all right, Holy Spirit, you ready? And the Holy Spirit's like, yep. And the Holy Spirit is already dwelling within one with Jesus, already one with the Father, but yet he's also a distinct person. And so Jesus goes, and the Holy Spirit, and then he goes, and the Holy Spirit goes, Your name was written in heaven. You were, you were with God. You were with God before creation. You were with him. And then he decided when to blow you back out at the specific moment in history that best fit you. So you remember that. You remember the goodness and kindness of God our Savior who comes to deliver us, who shows up with a salvation for these last days to save us from anything that's getting in the way of us knowing El. Anything that's getting in the way of the, the long-lost children, the lost boys, the lost boys and girls who have yet to know El, and God wants them to know God through us. He has certain people he has chosen. He has certain people. He has the Nataliites. It doesn't mean that she's going to lead them around and be like, guys, follow and do everything I do. It means there are people that Jesus Christ, the leader, is going to lead through her to pull people. He's going to bring sons to glory through Natalie. That's why they're going to be the Natalites. Oh, they're going to be the Yahweh's, Yahwehites. But he is humbling himself and he is 
having joy to come through her. You have a specific crew, too, that is supposed to know God through you, through what you give birth to. Well, I'm going to end with Aunt Debbie's brief dream. It's sunny because everybody was given their grace uh, with the three of us here. Aunt Debbie had the dream. I think it was 2018. Uncle Tim told me the dream in the days where Uncle Tim and I were meeting just about every week or two, and Uncle Tim would always cook me this amazing breakfast. I loved it. There was a time where he was doing five eggs and like a full batch of pancakes every time. (sighs) Anyway, during one of those meetings, those breakfast meetings, he said, Deb had a dream last night. And he told me the dream. So Aunt Debbie had the dream. She told Uncle Tim. Uncle Tim told me. I took it in my heart like Mary and pondered it. And it came up just recently. I've been thinking about it. And then I asked Uncle Tim. I described the dream to him. I, you remember it? He's like, no, I don't. And I'm like, well, surely Aunt Debbie will remember. She had the dream. I told her and I told her the details. I can remember. She's like, I just don't remember it. So everybody played their part. Aunt Debbie dreamed it. Uncle Tim proclaimed it, and I remembered it. So it's been saved. It's like an old lost Hammurabi script or something. Hear ye, hear ye, the dream of honeybee. This is the honeybee dream, okay? There was this massive gathering in the gymnasium at West Jessman High School, Emma's stomping grounds. And it, the, the feel of it was like the whole area, the whole county was gathered there. I'm telling you, we got the whole spectrum in Jessman County. I saw one end of the spectrum to the other. I mean, it's a couple guys walking out of the middle school gym the other night after a game. How's it going, boss? Oh, you know, same old, same old. With some colorful language in between. (laughs) And you know what? I wasn't offended at all. I'm like, God, thank you for Central Kentuckians. I mean, these are my people. (laughs) Okay. So all of those were gathered in the gymnasium. And imagine this. Chris Walling is pretty much one of the only faces and people she remembered and Chris Walling is standing there I think he was up in the bleachers ah! just shouting at the top of his lungs I mean I love that and then moments later I come out onto the court And that's what I remember of the dream. That's what Aunt Debbie's like. That's pretty much what I remember, as I remember. And here's what I want to end with. God is coming to us to destroy our enemies and to save us and kiss us with his goodness and kindness. 
But he's not just coming for us. He's coming for his people. The whole spectrum of Jessamine County. He's coming. That used to be just Jessamine County before it was West Jessamine. That used to be the school. It's where everybody went. And that gym was the gym. A lot of things have happened in that gym. A lot of amazing things. God is coming to us. And it's no longer going to be the West Jessamine courts. It's no longer going to be our courts and our justice system. It's going to be the courts of the Lord. The court. We're going to enter his gates. We're going to enter his court. Into his courts. He is going to dwell with his people. Chris represents the praying people and the believers in God's coming and those who have been waiting. From the moment I saw Chris to the present moment, the constant theme has been, I believe that Jesus is coming and I want it with everything in my being and I'm going to give my life to prayer to those ends. He is walking prayer. Psalm 119, the language at one point says, I prayer. I am prayer. Not just I pray, but I am prayer. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm intercession. It's a grace on this man's life. He's prayed for the destruction of wickedness, which is the Isaiah 42. He's prayed for the destruction of wickedness more than anybody I've ever met in my life. For the complete annihilation. Like his prayers are like a woman crying out in birth. He's confessed it to me. Like, I probably got a little unbalanced sometimes. Probably. But God has put that burden on him of destruction for the enemy's camp. But the number one desire in Chris's heart, I saw him from the beginning laid out in his full body suit. And his heart was crying before I even saw his face. And he like attacked me with his piercing blue eyes. He has, his life has screamed, oh Lord Jesus, come. Maranatha. Oh, Lord Jesus, come. Jesus, Jesus, come. And I venture to say that's been his cry since he was a little boy. And the goodness and kindness showed up in his life in Tennessee and saved that boy. And he's had that cry ever since. God put it in him. When that cry is answered, the destruction of wickedness and the parousia of Jesus Christ the tabernacling of God, the courts of the Lord get dropped on us. Jerusalem drops on the central Kentucky land. And all the broken find salvation. Chris is not going to have anything left to do except, sorry. He's just going to cry out. And his name actually means Christ-bearer. 
Christ's carrier, carrier, but you carry so that you might bear that child. Christ bearer, you're all Christ bearers. And I think I represent us as little eagles, those who have waited on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will walk and not grow weary. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and shall not faint. They will mount up with wings like eagles. Remember? Eagles only flap two minutes out of 60. That's their little part. 58 minutes out of 60, they're just riding the wind of God. And I think personally that represents me. I, I, when this happens, all I'm going to be doing is just speechless. Yeah, Lord, I'll, I'll flap my wings before people. Just... And I pray we'd all be that delivered from what people think or caring about anything like that. And we would just soar in the spirit. Lord, we thank you for your honey, your, your words, your statutes are sweeter than honey, sweeter than the honeycomb. It's not by chance that we were here tonight and that you had a message of encouragement for us. We thank you that you're the one who will cry out like a warrior and cry out like a mighty Deborah giving birth to fulfillment, to Christ in us. And you will go forth and destroy your enemies. We thank you for that. But Lord, greater than that, we thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your agape that will appear to us and will transform us. It will save us so we can simply live to know you. We can just be. We can just be. Be loved. And we can welcome other people to come in to knowing you by simply being. And from this state, we will carry out the sweetness of God to all the earth, to every place you have prepared for each individual. Now, Lord, as we continue to wait, let us bear this child, Christ in us. Let us persevere through this pregnancy with grace. Let us make it, Lord. And Lord, get us ready to live the eagle life, just soaring in your wind. Amen. You all are dismissed. Have a good night. If you'd like to help clean up shop, close up shop, that would be great. I so appreciate you.